welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 143, Saturday the 9th of March 2019. And coming up this week, my second book of the year is now completed after a four-day write-a-thon last week. I take an unscheduled skive day because it's all proven a bit too much, and my book bug promo continues to spread the love. So welcome to the diary. Uh, This week's word count is quite a good one. So I ended up doing 20,000 words last week. So we're slightly out of sync now because I used to record these diaries when my week finished on a Friday, my writing week pretty well finished on a Friday, whereas now my writing week pretty well finishes on a Sunday. So last week, over the Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday that I have available for writing days. I wrote my 20,000 odd words last week. So um, I did actually, when I was talking to you in last week's diary, I wasn't sure whether I was going to write on the Saturday or not, or whether I was going to do a part run. Well, I decided to just get the book finished at the weekend. So I just kept writing and writing and got my word counted. So on Saturday, last Saturday, I wrote... Uh, 5,077 words. And on Sunday, we had a bit of a bumper day. I wrote 5,448 words. I beg your pardon, 5,648 words. So the total for book two in my military science fiction series is 52,521 words. So I don't tend to cut out. I tend to add in when I edit because I write so sparsely, so uh, briefly usually. So I would expect that word count probably to go up to about 53, maybe, maybe 54 by the time we're done. But that is book two, draft one, finished. And so far, what is it? The day of recording, this is the 8th of March. That means that I've written uh, two books in a two-month period because if you remember I got back from Spain quite late I didn't really even start until uh, January the something or other it was certainly mid-January I didn't get back from Spain I don't think till mid-January so uh, I've written those two books in two months so again in terms of kind of personal record keeping uh, that is the fastest I've ever written and the most sustained uh, that I've ever written now today I started work on book three in the trilogy and in the last sort of half hour or so I've just finished writing today's 5,047 words and I will be writing and continuing book three on Saturday and Sunday uh, and that'll that'll bring me up to about 15,000 words of book three. So it's all ticking along nicely. I got to tell you that I prefer the way that I was writing before this. I don't really like this way of writing. It's too intense for me. And it's been very educational uh, from that point of view, because I'm sure many of you, many of you will be doing five days a week of work, some, some of you even more probably, and you'll be squeezing the writing in. And you'll, like me, be aspiring to that day when you can write five days a week. You don't have to squeeze it into the time around when you do your day job. And, you know, I got to say to you, what I can't tell you is what it would be like. I think, I think that pace would be fine if I wasn't doing a day job. So remember, I'm doing three days a week at work. And to be honest with you, the last couple of weeks have been quite intense for me in my day job. So I've come back pretty tired at the end of the day and a bit worn out. And I haven't, you know, the last thing I felt like doing is doing any editing. But, you know, this is just how it is, isn't it? If, if you're working. 
So by the time I get to Thursday, you know, frankly, I don't really feel like getting my head down and writing, but I, I am forcing myself most of the time. So, you know, I, I, I prefer when I was doing three days a week work, I preferred the way I was working before I'm, I did this kind of rapid writing that I've been doing since January. I, I used to kind of write Thursdays, Fridays. I used to write the odd Saturday. Uh, my wife was working every third Saturday. So I would write every third Saturday. But generally, I was writing two days a week. I was working three days a week and writing two days a week. And the rest of the time was doing podcasts, doing the kind of marketing and, and work that needs to be done around your author career. And I preferred that pace when I was working three days a week. Now, how I would be if I had five days a week to write, I, I don't know. But I found it much more enjoyable the way I was doing it before. I'm not enjoying this as much as I was. I used to really look forward to my writing days, whereas now um, I still I still kind of enjoy it. And I certainly enjoy having written but I've said this intense is just the word that I've, I've used before. And that really is the best way to describe it. It's quite intense writing like this. I'm not entirely sure that I enjoy it that way. I like a little bit of rigor room, a bit of space around it. Um, you know, I like to let the sunlight in basically. So, um, that's where we are with the word count. I'm also editing, of course. Now I decided to give myself an extra week to edit my military sci-fi one book. And the reason for that was is I had to make so many changes that are based around the house, the house style of the, the people that I'm collaborating with, that, that I, I kind of just decided, do I need to read this through one more time? Because I, I'd made so many changes in isolation. Many of them were control, um, find and replace kind of changes. I thought I actually need to give this a final read in its entirety to just make sure it's all, all fine. So I'm pleased I did that because I have been picking up some little snags as I've gone along, but I will finish that this evening. Again, I, I told you that I don't, you know, you know what I'm like with editing. I don't particularly enjoy editing. It doesn't feel um, creative to me. It feels administrative and it certainly doesn't play to my kind of personal uh, strengths and preferences. So what I did is I've split that read into six chapters a day, five days of the week. So what I will be doing before I sit down and, and watch a rather nice series we're watching on Netflix at the moment this evening, I will get my six chapters done. And then that will have been me done my kind of third pass through Military Sci-Fi 1. And at, at that point, it's ready for me to hand over. It doesn't mean it's ready, uh, but it means it's ready for me to hand over and to get other eyes on it uh, by the time I finish this evening. So next week, I will move on to Military Sci-Fi Book 2. Now, I've got a couple of, th or potentially I've got a couple of things on next week. So I've decided to, to do my first pass. That'll probably be over the next two weeks. So I, I, I've budgeted in, um, it really depends. I think I've got, I might have something fun on, on Thursday evening, uh, yet to be confirmed. So it really just depends on what happens on the Thursday evening. Uh, but at the moment, I've got it penciled in to do my first pass of that book, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, and then Monday and Tuesday of the following week. And then I got a lot of things on the following week because that's my birthday week. And I'm doing loads of skiving in my birthday week, as you would expect. So I'm still writing, but after I've written, it's skive time for Paul because I'm going to make sure 
you know, when you get to a certain age, you want to hide your birthdays. But I do like to, you know, I don't need anything sensational around my birthday. But I, I'm going to make sure I nip to the cinema. I'm going to go out for food with my wife. I'm going to be for lunch on the Saturday that she's working. Then we're going to go out for tea. I just want to make sure I got some little fun things um, around my birthday. So I will be writing. But after I've done the writing, I will be doing nothing. I'll be, uh, you know, going into a birthday vegetative state. And I don't mean via alcohol. I just mean I ain't doing any more work when I've got the writing done. I've also, by the way, I've timed it so that on my birthday, I do my 10th park run because uh, they give you a shout out at the park run. When you when you do uh, like a 10th, 25th, 50th, something, you know, when you do the anniversary park runs, you get a shout out. But you also get a shout out on your birthday. So I thought, right, I'm timing this. You know what I'm like with, with time management. I thought I'm timing this. So I do my 10th run on my birthday. And then uh, you get kind of like a double powered shout out. So that, that's what I'm aiming for uh, in a couple of weeks time. So anyhow, that's nothing to do with writing. Uh, but I, I just wanted to explain to you why I've done the the editing uh, in the way that I have. So um, book one will be done. Then I move on to book two. And it is, again, th- this is why I was saying about the intensity of this. So if you think about it at the moment this week, I've been editing book one. I've also done some edits on book two. And I'm writing, well, I've, I've been writing book two and writing book three. And in terms of your headspace, that's quite a turnaround. And um, I, as you know, I'm a finisher completer. I quite like things compartmentalized. Um, that's how my brain works. So uh, again, it's not the ideal working conditions for me. Before I've written books and then I've edited them separately. And I kind of like that, to be honest with you. So it's been, it has been interesting doing this from a, a, a work rate point of view. And then I found out how I prefer to write. Now, it might just be a gear change, getting used to a new routine, but I I kind of feel that I was writing fast before I did this anyway, or writing fast enough. I was being productive enough. I, I could get I could get what three to four books out in a year, and that and that feels like a good rate of of release to me. Now writing at this rate, uh, I'm going one a month at the moment. I could I could publish twelve books in a year. But you know <laughs> You get to a point, I think, where you might as well just be in a day job. You know, if you if if you're on that kind of conveyor belt where you're just doing it every hour that you've got in the day, and it's just constant, 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 you might as well just be in a day job. I I, I feel um, because in many respects you, you you've made even more of a rod for your own back because you've also removed if if, if you're doing this all the time and and you're kind of only making a mediocre income from it. If you're making a fantastic income. 12 books a year it is that you know that's that's the way I feel about it if 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 every book I was releasing was making me a lot more money then I'd probably be quite happy to do that but at the moment I guess I'm writing these books fast with no kind of guarantee or particular promise of success so I guess if you had the money flowing in you'd stop moaning wouldn't you I would (laughs) I'd just go on with it and do the work okay so um, where are we? Uh, I've done the editing. Oh, I did have to make some stylistic changes. So um, I basically wrote draft one of book one. My collaborators gave it a read through and added notes, which were very valuable. I found out I was doing a lot of things wrong. And I think I was about chapter three, chapter four of book two by the time I got those those kind of rewrites of notes. So I had to go back this week into book two. And, and I'd, I'd 
changed all subsequent chapters. The minute I learned that information, I changed everything that I've subsequently written. But I just had to go back to book two, the first couple of chapters, and just put some things right there. So we're all kind of good to go now. So I think books two and three will take less editing because, of course, I'm on all those stylistic things now. They've all changed now. I, I, I say I know what I'm doing. There'll still be some more stylistic changes, but not as big as these ones. These, these were pretty um, embedded in the whole book. It took quite a lot of time to sort out. Okay, so where are we? Uh, I'm just trying. To, I've got a lot to tell you this week, so I'm just trying to figure out where I am. I'm, I'm scanning my notes. Oh yeah, I know. I was. Um, I've been listening to. When I, I I often wake up in the middle of the night and my brain gets going, and and I, I do generally prefer if I can to to not get up in the middle of the night and start working. I, I do prefer it, particularly when I'm at work. So um, what I've got is I, I got myself a cheap kind of second mobile phone. And I've, I just use it for podcasts. I've just disabled everything on it and I just listen to podcasts and I just keep it by the bed at night. If I wake up at three or four o'clock and I don't want to get up, I, I put podcasts on and uh, I usually fall asleep listening to them. It's great for getting you back to sleep. Uh, just voice, you know, rather than music, just hearing voice. And for the for the 10 minutes that I'm awake listening to it, um, I'm learning too. It's become frustrating, of course, that I'm listening to podcasts and then I'm falling asleep and I'm waking up thinking, done, I was enjoying that. That was a good podcast and I have to go back and, and listen to it again. But anyhow, I was listening to the science fiction and fantasy podcast, which I highly recommend to you. Uh, it isn't really about science fiction and fantasy, particularly when they don't have a guest on. So if they have guests, they're usually science fiction and fantasy writers. But to be honest with you, I've been listening to it quite a lot recently and I've cherry picked old episodes. And the marketing stuff in there is brilliant. The kind of writing craft and marketing stuff is brilliant. So please, please do not be put off by the genre. There is tons of stuff in there that is not genre specific. And they were talking this week, they do a kind of ask the audience where listeners just ask some questions. They were talking about rapid release in this week's episode. And of course, a lot of us were like, rapid release is my thing for this year. And I've heard some pretty horrible schedules like release one book and then you release the one next one in a week after and then another one a week after and I have been thinking about that you know as a kind of midweight mediocre success writer usually when I launch a book without kind of any advertising it just kind of sinks like a stone I, I can't really do anything without some kind of a promo um, you know, that is my pain as a writer at the moment. I, I wish I could release and have have an audience, you know, have everybody waiting for the next Paul Teague novel. But I don't really feel, maybe in some tiny way, but not in any substantial life-changing way, um, do I have that. So I have been thinking this, release a book and then do another one seven days. Is that a bit intense? Should I be looking at something a little bit looser? Maybe one a month? Is that a better launch strategy for me? Because in a month, it gives me time to do some promos on it, you know, to get some eyes over the first one and to create some form of hunger for the next book and the book after that. Uh, so I have been considering this, but in the science fiction and fantasy podcast this week, they were recommending, um, and this was very interesting, made a lot of sense to me. They said, write three books, not seven, as, as I'd been considering, but three, write three books and launch them one month apart. And then they said, if the series tanks, then you haven't committed yourself to a lengthy series. So what I've been talking about at the moment is writing seven, uh, six or seven of these military sci-fis. But, but listening to what I was listening to this week, they were suggesting, look, write, write three, have them all ready at once. 
release the first one, wait a month, release the second one, wait a month, release the third one. And the benefit of that is, is that if the series fires and the rapid release is working, you've got a month then to, to write the next one. But you're writing it on the basis of success rather than a triumph of, of hope over reality. And that makes a lot more sense to me. Number one, I do prefer the month release cycle. It makes a lot more sense to me. I think if, you know, if you had a load of hungry readers who just wanted your books, if you're a romance writer or something like that, if you've developed this audience, I think that kind of rapid release of one week, two weeks, you know, that, that would make every sense in the world. But I, I, I think the one month is, it feels a little bit more comfortable to me, but also, of course, I now know that I could produce a novel in a month. I can, I can actually hit that that kind of pace so in this scenario I would write my trilogy I might write one extra just to have one in the pot and then start to rapid relaunch launch the first three maybe have a standalone that I could then feed into that but then I would know if it was going to be successful and worth writing and then I could start work on the next trilogy and be able to release those in the correct monthly cycle so basically they were proposing doing effectively a bit of market testing they were saying you know they're all established writers that there are three writers who contribute to this podcast they're all established writers and you often hear them not not moaning because you know moaning's not the right word but lamenting that the fact that they have to they've got series that they have to finish off that they started that didn't sell particularly well and they'd rather be doing other things but they've they feel obliged to readers to finish these seven book series that they they started sometimes a couple of years ago and they're having to write these books and their heart isn't massively in it and and that's what I fear as well you know if you if I sort of commit myself to seven books and book one tanks and no one likes it you sort of think hmm you know, I could have written three thrillers in that time, and I know my kind of thrillers do all right. So, uh, the the other thing that's fed into that is the fact that um, don't tell Maggie's ever in another good book, bub. Um, you know, the money's coming in; it, it's it's not going to do as well as the last or the first two or the last two, however you want to refer to them. But it's going to bring bring in uh, you know more good income. And and what I keep seeing with Don't Tell Meg with that trilogy is you you know you give the first book away for free. And I make the money on the read-throughs. And they read through. They do read through on that series. And that's, of course, exactly what you want. You want a trilogy or a series where people read through and you promote the first one and off they go. Um, And again, if you've listened to this diary for any length of time, you'll have heard me talk about there was a time when I thought I'd got too many trilogies and I needed to write standalones because I was saying, having got these trilogies, I, I wrote three trilogies. I had the Secret Bunker, the Grid Trilogy and the Don't Tell Meg Trilogy. And what I was feeling was the frustration of then not being able to advertise to books two and three of the series because all of my books, um, they, they were trilogies. They ended on cliffhangers. They weren't standalone novels. And, and so I wrote four, well, I wrote five standalone books. I wrote a sci-fi standalone, which is fine. It's just the one book. And then I wrote four thriller standalones. And what I wish I'd done now is I wish I'd written Dead of Night as a standalone, a thriller standalone. And I wish that instead of writing Burden of Guilt, One Fatal Error and Who to Trust as standalones, those next three books have been part of a series. That's what I wish I'd done now, or, or, or part of another thriller trilogy, because then I, I would have a unit that I could be thrashing on BookBub, um, and, and sort of cross promoting. So, you know, my lesson learned is you do need to have either A or two standalones. 
uh, but I generally prefer to write in trilogies. I haven't written in a series yet, but or, or a series. I think prob I, I again I haven't written in a series yet. Um, and my feeling is is that you should if you write in a series, they need to be standalone books so that people can enter at any point. I haven't done that, and that's probably something I need to try next is self-contained series stories. That's probably the next thing I should give a try to or certainly something I should try in future but the trilogies have worked extremely well for me um, promoting the first book now the purpose of having a standalone is so that you've got a book that you could give away it's good to have a standalone wide I think um, so you or people could discover you in all channels so you generally want to have a standalone wide that is not subject to the restrictions of kdp select so you, do, you don't have to just give away 10 percent. so um it's also um you could also argue that you, it's good to have a book wide uh, or uh, not on kdp select that you give away for free as part of your list building process that that also makes sense to me so but of course it could be the same book uh, you could use, I could use Dead of Night, for instance, as a, a sort of lead bait, you know, to get people's email addresses. I could use, also use it in book funnels and uh, not Insta freebie, what's it called? Prolific works, giveaways and and all sorts of other things. So I, I could get away with one book, um, but maybe two give you a little bit more maneuverability. But I don't think I'd have more than two. I'd certainly say have one, but I don't know whether I'd say have more than two standalone books. I mean, with two standalone books, You've got one that you could use to build your email marketing list. So it could be an exclusive book only for people on your email marketing list. And then you could have a second book that you used um, to sort of list build on the prolific works and uh, what's it called? Book book funnel giveaways um, and all the other things. Readers, is it XP and book sweeps, all of those. Um, so two at the most, I think, but definitely one. But after that, in terms of lessons I have learned, I think, well, trilogies have been particularly good to me. I do get on well with trilogies. And series is something I can't really comment on, but at some point I probably will try. So as ever, I'm rambling, but this is a long way around of telling you that this science fiction and fantasy podcast episode did make me think. I'd, I would prefer to release, rapid release, one a month, but to have them all ready it does make every sense in the world to me to market test, not to commit to seven before you even know whether the things, I call it fly or die. Is it going to fly or die? Is it going to tank or are people going to like it? Um, so that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I don't have to even sort of commit to this for a long time because uh, I'm, I'm not going to be ready for this till uh, June, July. I'm just writing the things at the moment and I'm going to stuff them through the editing process and the cover process. So they're just going to sit there um, in, in a state of, of readiness. So I don't have to commit to that schedule yet, um, but I am thinking about it. I thought I'd share that information with you. But you see, I, 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 I thought to myself, because Don't Tell Meg's doing so well, I thought, you know, I could, I could do with another Don't Tell Meg, frankly. Um, that, that's what I need, another Don't Tell Meg trilogy um, that I can stick through BookBub because I got two of those in a nice little cycle uh that would be fantastic and if i can get if i can get a, a book bub eventually on the secret bunker if i've got sort of four trilogies rotating um on book bub even if the the income is declining it's still going to be a good income month you know that's quite a nice little number to have four trilogies rotating over book bub and having those nice regular income months so 
uh, I, I was considering this week having listened to that podcast. Okay, so if I wrote uh, this trilogy, this military sci-fi trilogy, which will be done by the end of March, and then in April I wrote one more book, um, maybe a standalone in that series, and then I moved to instead of writing three books in between, uh, so end of April was it April, May, June, July. So in May, June, July, rather than writing three fifty k books, if I wrote the first two seventy five k books as part of a new thriller trilogy before summer, and then wrote the second, the third part of that trilogy. Blimey, it's complicated. The third part of that trilogy uh, in September and October. That new thriller trilogy would hit my rapid re-release on the thrillers and it would give me another thriller before the end of the year that I could then be submitting to BookBub. Now, at the moment, I know my thrillers, they, my thrillers pay me more. They sell best, uh, make me more money. Now, my military sci-fis have been written to market. So I've been through Chris Fox's books. I've written all the tropes down. They are written to market and they are written in a universe which is already has proven itself to be a successful universe. So um, I, I kind of I'm dithering a little bit here. Uh, I, I'm kind of, you know, dipping a toe in, in, in two pools of water because my feeling is that if the obviously if the military sci fi's take off and fire, then I'm writing military sci-fi. I'm basically, I'm writing whatever makes me money. <laughs> that's what I'm saying to you. And, uh, and I'm looking at two different scenarios here. I think that's, that's really what I'm saying to you. And I, you know, I'll, I'll course correct. If the military sci-fi is fired off and started making more money than something else, then clearly that's where I put my commitment. Um, if the military sci-fi didn't fire, then it makes more sense to me to pivot quickly back to thriller trilogies because uh, at the moment I'm making all my money off the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, a trilogy which incidentally is a couple of years old now. Um, so, I just feel like I probably need another thriller trilogy in there. The other thing is, is that um, I actually, I, I don't know whether I would have said this before I've written this military sci-fi book, um, but I, I find thrillers easier to write, I think, because they're uh, they're modern day. Uh, you know, I don't have to think of funny names for tech and weird names for aliens and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's all in this world. And my, my thrillers are very... Uh, well rooted in my own kind of world, um, things that I know and places that I've been. So I do find the thrillers and the dialogue easier to write, I think, uh, with the thrillers. So anyhow, I just, you know, as ever, I'm sharing those thoughts with you. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. But I can definitely tell you that book, you know, book three is getting written. We're going to have a trilogy of military sci-fi. It's fairly likely at the moment that we'll get another. It might be a standalone that we use or I use to build the list around that. And then I will make up my mind, you know, nearer the time as to whether I'm good to write another trilogy in that military sci-fi series or whether I'm going to commit to a couple of thrillers before the end of summer. And of course, the other thing is it all depends on ideas. You know, I, I'll see which idea fires me best because that's the other thing. I do like to be fired by this has been very much a sausage factory, this book. I think the stories are good. You know, my wife's thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's not a genre that she would normally read, but she's kind of been on tenterhooks. It's very, very action-oriented. Um, you know, constant action, constantly things going wrong and crises and things like that. Um, it's not a cerebral book at all. <laughs> though it actually, though, believe it or not, as I'm moving into the third novel, it does have a cerebral theme at its core. It does actually have a theme at its core. So I, it is all building to something in, in the third book. 
because I do like my I do like my sci-fi to have a heart. I don't like it to be all laser battles and aliens and big spaceships. Um, but it, you know, it has been very fast. And whenever I've been writing any sustained dialogue, uh, I've just thought, right, that's enough. Time for some action. And something nasty's happened, and, and they've all had to go off and solve it. So, you know, I have very much stuck to the tropes uh, with, with these books. And um, I think you know, I might be ready to write something a little bit more cerebral, um, like like a thriller. I do enjoy writing the thrillers. Though, you know, I, to be fair, I am enjoying this. The other thing I meant to mention to you is I was supposed to have written yesterday, Thursday, and I didn't. And I said to you at the beginning of this diary that I'd had, I've just been busy the last few weeks. Remember, I um, destroyed the website, the work website, and um, and you know I didn't, but that was the net effect of it. Uh, we had no website, and it's an important website this because um, we're funded by partners, and and the partners need to see the website there so quite important it goes back online pretty swiftly anyhow um, I've kind of been dealing with the aftermath of that and making sure that the, that the site that I put back has everything on it and and so I, I have felt you know a little bit under fire the last few weeks just to make sure everything's as it should be uh, but, you know it's fine it's been hammered it's been a very useful exercise in that it, it's enabled us to clarify server arrangements and things like that it's been very it's been the net effect actually has been very good um but it was a little bit hairy as you know and this week i kind of finally got on top of the 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 sort of background work that i needed to do just to make sure that the site was fine that everything was back in place uh you know all the systems checks and everything were done so um so it was another busy week this week and when it got to Wednesday evening, because I was starting a brand new book this week, I finished book two last week, and I was starting a brand new book. I just didn't feel ready. On Wednesday evening, I was like, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready to start writing a new book on Thursday. So I, I had to think about it, uh, because obviously I, I have a plan. I have a, I had this planned over Christmas, and I was looking at my plan. I thought, no, I need to make some course corrections to this story, because of the way the story's panned out, and I'm not ready to write on Thursday. And to be honest with you, I felt tired, and I just did not feel like writing on Thursday. I just, I fancied a day. I was busy. I mean, what did I get done on Thursday? I'll tell you what I got done on Thursday. I, I, you know, I planned in detail this military science fiction book that I've, I've just started writing today. I did um, a whole load of editing on the military science fiction two book to get the style stuff right. I did how many chapters? I edited six chapters of the first sci-fi book. I did some domestic stuff I had to do, student grant applications and things like that. I um, updated my paperbacks and submitted them, my um, secret bunker paperbacks. I'll talk to you about that in a moment or two. I had a issue on my personal website. <laughs> it's not been a very good month for websites, has it? But I, I've had a terrible issue I won't bore you with it. Uh, you know, one of these issues that just comes out of nowhere. And you think those sites have been sat there like that for ages. And then all of a sudden I got this issue. Anyhow, I resolved the issue this week. I finally managed to get to the top and bottom of that. So that's sorted. Um, and I prepared this podcast. So I had a busy day on Thursday, but sometimes I just feel like a day that isn't sustained effort. When I, when I write, it's pretty intense over a four, you know, four hour period. And I just wanted a day on Thursday that wasn't going to be like that. I wanted to work. I was happy to work, but I didn't want it to be head down, intense, intense, intense. I didn't want that on Thursday. So I rejiggled the schedule and I've shuffled the park run. So I'm still going to get me, me six park runs in this quarter. I might even get 11 in actually, uh, but I'm certainly going to get my six in that I wanted to do this quarter. But it means that I'm now writing. I was going to do a park run on Saturday. I bumped that to next week. It, in actual fact, it all solves me a little problem, to be honest with you. I, I won't bore you with all of this, but it, it, when I looked at it, I thought, do you know what? That plays out better like this. So 
Thursday, I just has a, a as an easier day, um, which meant I came completely fresh and ready to write today. I'm so pleased I did it because if I had started writing yesterday, I would not have been ready. Um, but I was today. I hit the ground running and off we went. Uh, and it's always hard. You'll know if when you start a new book, it's always a bit hairy when you start a new book. Um, I call it traction. You're, you're, at the beginning, you're getting your traction on a new book. And um, again, I use that phrase, fly or die. You need to know whether this story is going to fly or die. Now, this story is going to fly because it's, 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 it's panned out. I, I know what I'm writing and I have enough confidence now to know that the story is going to work I know where I'm heading with it but you've got to get that initial traction into the story um you know you don't you, you've got to make sure the story's framed right it has to start right and that's what I wasn't confident of doing my sitting down and planning and thinking it through on Thursday helped me get it right today so when I hit the ground running today in fact I, I even gave myself a head start I'd started writing each chapter before I, I, I began to do formal writing today I did that last night because I was jittery about starting a new book it's always hard you've got to get the momentum up um and and so I'd, I'd written about 75 to 100 words on each of the three chapters I was writing today so that when I started writing today all I was doing was continuing I wasn't starting so that really helped me and I'm, I'm in the story now I'm, I'm in I've got my momentum it, it's just effectively what, what I always say to you when you're writing a story is if you're ever stuck just say well if I was in this situation what would happen next and, and, and I'm in that situation now where you just keep saying what happens next? What happens next? Because I've got the initial momentum. I've got all the story strands going now. Everybody's under pressure again. <laughs> all, the, all the things I need to do in a military sci-fi. Everybody's under intense pressure. Everything's going wrong. That's exactly where I need it. And I'm, and I'm off now. You know, I've, I've, I'm underway. So thank goodness for that. But um, I just wanted to let you know because... I know when I'm sort of writing fast like this, if you're a slower writer, if you need more time um, for it, you know, we all write at our own pace, but it's important to let you know, you know, not, I don't, I'm not ready for it every day. Um, I, and I really wasn't on Thursday. I really couldn't see, I was like a, a sort of rabbit in the headlights thinking, I got to write today. I got to write today. I can't write today. I'm not ready to write today. And, and I just wasn't ready on Thursday. So I, I think what I'm saying to you is sometimes you need to cut yourself some slack. Uh, and, and when you, you, you know that when I when I put all this on my schedule, I always have wriggle room. I always have buffer days uh, in case I'm ill or if something happens, um, so I can shuffle stuff around. And I had that manoeuvrability to you know to get the book done when I need to get it done, and um, it will be done by the end of March. Uh, it's going to have to be done by the end of March now because I'm I'm nipping over to see my family in Lincolnshire at the end of March, and I've cleared a weekend to go so. Basically, I finish. I'm going to finish the book on the Thursday, and then I'm off for four days. Those are four writing days that I've written out the picture because I, I I'm confident enough that I'm going to get the writing done. So yeah, it'll all it'll all shuffle around. So I've I've written today. I've got to write Saturday. I've got to write Sunday, and that'll be me at fifteen thousand words. And you know we're we're off with the next book, and it will be finished by the end of March, unless I get knocked down by a bus, of course. So in general news, I mentioned that the book bub's going well. Um, Apple and Barnes and Noble are performing really well. It's not going to be, a, you know, it's going to be a good month. It's not going to be a five thousand pound month like it has been before. Uh, it's maybe about two and a half, maybe two, maybe three if I get lucky thousand this month, uh, which is great. I hope you'll agree. You know, I'm very happy with that. Um, very good for uh, cash flow, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be a five thousand month because, as I said to you last week, we're getting decreasing returns. On this book bub now 
And, and as I said to you, next time I try one, I'm going to try for the reads. I'm going to do it Amazon only, and I'll just go for the reads, the page reads, because that's where I feel I could squeeze out more from a, a book bub next time. But I, I got to tell you, um, my wife's been, my wife has an Apple computer. She's with the old Apple computer that I hated and bought years ago. She loves it. And she keeps sending me screenshots from the Apple charts. And I've had some lovely screenshots this week on the Apple charts. So both books two and three are in the paid charts on Apple. So when you, when I, you know, I'm always frustrated. I'm never doing well enough. Um, and I don't really get anywhere on the paid Amazon charts that excites me, uh, to, to be honest. I, I, I've number one in all the free charts, but that's old hat now. I'm, I'm bored with that. I, I only really get excited now about where I am on paid charts. And, and at least some gratification from going wide is that my books, um, not only are they getting to the top of the, the Apple charts or high in the Apple charts, I'm charting in the thriller sections in the paid books. And I'm getting some lovely screenshots where I'm next to some really kind of famous authors. So uh, uh, the um, the second book, the name of which escapes me now, what's it called? The Murder Place. Uh, book two in the series, The Murder Place. I was sandwiched between, um, who was it? Hang on, I have to go to Twitter to remind myself because uh, you know what I'm like with names. I've got a memory like a sit. So this week, uh, if you go to my Twitter at uh, Paul Teague UK, you'll see uh, I've got a photograph there. I, I'm sandwiched in between Peter James and Lee Child with John Grisham on the same row. And uh, I've also got uh, screenshots of the Forgotten Children. I'm in between on one shot in between Stuart McBride and Michael Connolly. And then I'm next to Philip Pullman and near Anne Cleves. Uh, on another chart so it is quite a thrill in the apple charts and I'm, I'm making good income off apple so this is another surprise of going wide barnes and noble and apple do all right you know they do all right uh when, when you when you go wide both of them do and remember i was sniffy at barnes and noble i'm, I'm doing all right with barnes and noble in, in terms of income it's amazon first apple next then it's barnes and noble then i think then it's probably Kobo or Google Play, but it's a close run thing. I'm shifting a lot of free books on Google. Actually, let's have a look at my published drive. I actually think that um, Google might be more this month. I, I I was looking at my earnings the other day in published drive and they're like Kobo. They're frustratingly not high enough, but I think they might have outperformed. So on my on my published drive console, they tell you what your best-selling book is. So it says, good job. Your best performing title is Don't Tell Meg, which I would expect at the moment. You've sold 2,524 copies of this title in the last 30 days, mostly on Google Play books in the United States. Well, I would expect that. So if I go to my, um, I have to remember where it is on, on published drive. It'll tell me what my kind of ongoing income is, but I could never quite remember which. I think it's the finance panel, is it? No, it's not the finance panel. The finance panel tells me what my earnings are, my kind of, yeah. So gross sales, here we go. So my gross sales on published drive, and I, what, what period is this? This is between, it's the last month, are 100 quid on Google Play. Whereas on Kobo, that's lower. I think it's fair to say, is this, let me just have a look at my Kobo. Yeah, so it's about half that on Kobo. So for this month so far, it's 47 quid on Kobo. You know, it's just, why is it so slow on Kobo? I just, I don't understand it. Um, I expect it on Google Play, but I don't on Kobo because Kobo's, you know, Kobo has a proper mechanism. It's got a proper marketplace. It markets its books properly. It has its own readers. 
you know, it should be better on Kobo. I don't understand why it's not. Um, so I've earned more on Google Play then so far than I have uh, on on Kobo. So that's that's quite nice to know. But the real excitement is Apple. And again, just to give you an insight, I've earned already this month uh, from Apple and Barnes and Noble. In a week, I've earned more than I have that I did last month. Just to give you, and I was already earning more than I normally would last month because I've I'd still got the tail end of the grid. So, you know, the money's up. It's better. It'll be a good month, but it's not as brilliant as it was. And I'm, you know, I'm happy for it. It, it looks like it's going to pay for the things that it needs to pay for, which was my objective with this book bub. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm still, it's obviously well out earned its, its costs now, which is the other thing. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is if you did a book bub and you made $10 profit, and you, uh, from, from what it costs you to do a book, where you made 10, say 10 pounds profit, you covered all your costs and you, you got your book, say to 10,000 to 15,000 new readers. To me, that, that would still be worth doing because you're still in profit. You're not in loss. And, and you've got all those potential readers who might go on to, to buy further books or to follow you on BookBub and potentially in the long term buy books. So all the time you're turning a profit, let alone a good profit, I'm going to turn a good profit this month. You know, all the time you're doing that, it's worth doing a BookBub. I think the only concern you might have is, you know, am I going to do a BookBub and not make my money back? That's the danger with a BookBub because they are very expensive. So I, I've at least got that confidence now I'm going to make my money back now um, and and to make some profit, certainly with the thrillers and, and the grid also performed the same. I didn't mention last week that I'd got my book formats back from Frostbite Publishing. And if you do get a book formatted, by the way, if you need to get a, a human to do it, if you don't do it on vellum, I would like to recommend Frostbite Publishing. Um, the, the guy there uh, is called Adam and uh, very courteous, you know, very responsive. He formatted the Don't Tell Meg books originally and I've, um, I've formatted the, the secret bunker ones originally, but now they've been turned into past tense and we've had a complete re-edit over them. I had to get the paperbacks out again. They were a little bit more than I wanted to do in vellum and that we had a lot of widows and orphans and things like that. So I just outsourced it basically. And um, Adam got those books back. They've been uploaded now back onto into paperback format. So those latest versions are now available. However, I came back to Ingram Spark this week. When I, when I put the files into Create Space, the cover sizes, the original cover size I got were perfectly all right. And when I went to create, uh, to Ingram Spark, it's, I, I, I submit them and then I'm get, I get the email saying, no, oh, it's not right. You know, the cover's wrong and all of this stuff. And I just thought, do you know what? <laughs> do you know what? I'm done again with Ingram Spark. I just, I can't be bothered for the number of, paperbacks I sell it really it, honestly it's not worth the hassle um, to, to be messing around with these covers now you know that's that, this is no reflection on Ingram Spark uh, you know please don't take because they're good and if I had more money this would not be a problem if I if I had the money to sort of freely pay people to get me the the high quality covers that I need for paperback versions to go into Ingram Spark, this would not be a problem. Okay, this is only a problem because I'm I'm a tight and and I haven't got the money to throw at it, and I have to not cutting corners isn't the right word, but I you know I have to look at the money, I have to look at the expenditure to ROI. You know, so if I'm spending four to five hundred quid on a paperback cover, I ain't gonna get that back on paperbacks, but I do make many times that on eBooks. So where I am at the moment, it makes much more sense to me to make sure my eBooks are fantastic. I'm shifting them by the bucket load, but it's not very important to me 
to have paperbacks. And so I made a, another one of these business decisions. You know, Ingram Spark was saying, sorry, um, now you've put this new interior in. The cover's not right. Well, it was on, it was on not create space. Was it called Kindle? Whatever it is that the Kindle dashboard, they let them through first time. They look perfectly all right in proof forms. When I've got my proof copies delivered, they're all right. Everything's aligned and perfect. So I just thought I ain't, I'm sorry. I've just delisted everything on Ingram Spark now. It's all gone. I'm just going to put them through the, the Kindle portal or the Amazon portal because it's just so much simpler. And I don't sell any paperbacks or negligible amounts of paperbacks. It's not worth me paying to get the covers done, uh, not the expensive paperback covers done. It's certainly not worth me paying to get existing covers I've already paid for adjusted. And frankly, I, I, I really do feel, you know, I'm a midway author. I'm not selling a lot of books. This does not apply to you if you shift a lot of paperbacks, if you've got a vehicle for them. You know, if you're an established author and people buy anything, whether it's paperback or ebook, this is for me where I am at the moment. It's not the right decision for me to spend a lot of time on paperbacks. It really isn't. I like to make them available as a courtesy to readers. And to me, this, this system I've got where I get a nice, um, Kindle cover and then I go into the, uh, Amazon dashboard. I just use the Kindle cover and then use their cover creator because it makes a, uh, just pick a color that, that picks out the or complements the cover. I just make them that way. They look perfectly right. Formatted in vellum. They're perfect. It costs me no more to do than a Kindle cover. And then as a courtesy, I've got those books available. They're, there's nothing wrong with those books at all because I've got the proofs of them. Um, I can sell paperbacks, make them available, but it's not taking a load of time and it's not a load of expense. And, you know, I'd have to say if, 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 if you're selling a handful of books, if you're having to really watch the costs, I'd have to recommend that course of action. It's so much. It costs so much to get paperback covers um, produced from a proper uh, creator. And it is such a pain uh, if you have to make changes in Ingram Spark. So that's kind of my line with this. But as I say, got to draw a line under that and say, if you're selling a lot of paperbacks, if you've got a way of selling paperbacks, if it's important in your business, you know, if you're an established author, that doesn't apply. It only applies to me because I'm not selling enough books. I don't have enough money slushing around to do these things. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned to you that an author who's going to remain nameless, just because we don't want it to screw anything up on also boards and all this sort of thing. Um, an author who listens to the podcast got in touch with me and had got one of these prime UK offers from Amazon. And basically they paid this author a set amount of money, which I think was about 200 and something pound, if I remember. And uh, basically, um, you know, they, they promote the book and the author gets, I can't remember. I should have looked up the detail. I think the author gets read something like that, uh, but not the sale, something like, something like that. Um, and I've got a report. This book's now live. So I've got two reports from the author this week. So report one was five hours since notification email from email that I'm live. I've jumped 20,000 places in the UK overall store, despite being on position 10 of, uh, or page 10 of 21. Position 10 of 21. Not sure. Uh, of the prime UK list. No extra sales showing on the dashboard. An overall rank jumped from 40k up to 20k. And then the latest update I've got, which was as of this morning, Friday, when I'm recording this, sitting at 14,000 in the UK store overall. So the jump has been about 26,000 places in the first 24 hours just for being in prime reading. No other promo sales page reads, uh, uh, sales and page reads are normal. So initial impressions are that you do get a rank boost, but it has no effect on sales or reads, but it's very early days. So 
I'll let you know about these. I've never been offered one of these, but that's presumably because I'm wide at the moment. And I'm not in KDP Select. Uh, but effectively, what Amazon do is they pay you a set fee for a month or whatever it is. Is it three months, something like that? Um, and you, you kind of, um, it limits your ability to make income. But the gamble you take is that Amazon pay you more than you could make if you were just doing book sales. That's really the gamble you take. So it's a bit of guaranteed income and it does kind of limit you. Um, with other things and other ways you can make money. So um, as I say, just really to give you a report from somebody who's got one of these, it's done great for rank, which is great, obviously, for visibility. But so far, no effect on sales or reads. And this author, I'm sure, will keep in touch with me and let me know what's going on. So I just thought that was useful information to share. Uh, I've never had one, but when I go into KDP Select, I'd like to think that I might be offered one. And it just helps you decide really what a fair price is from Amazon for the time that your book is kind of out, you're not free to do with your book as you please. Um, and also to determine the benefits of that jump in rank for you on Amazon. I've got an interesting email from Publish Drive this week. It's the London Book Fair next week. I'm not going. Um, I, I, pro I probably should go at some point because I would know a lot of people there. I think I went four years ago. I probably went four years ago. I went on the last day when they were kind of, you know, a lot of people have had enough and a lot of the stores had closed down. Didn't know anybody then in self-publishing. And I had paid a hundred and something quid to have my book on a shelf. Now, that's a waste of money. Don't ever do that, by the way. But, you know, I was new and I was trying stuff. And what a waste of money and time that was. But I'd paid to put my book on somebody's shelf. And when I, when I saw it, it, it literally was a book on a shelf. You know, the chances of anybody seeing that book were minimal. So that was a couple hundred quid wasted. But for me to get down from Cumbria to London, with all the associated travel costs and hotel fees, it's it's a lot of money, and it has to it has to pay its keep. And to be fair, it it probably would. I, I didn't really want to use the leave actually this year. It wasn't so much the money this year; it was the leave. I didn't want to take the leave time up this year. Um, I, I want to hold it back. So anyway, I'm not going to the I'm not going to the London Book Fair, but I had an email related to that from Publish Drive. So as you know, I I, I publish through Publish Drive. My books are published in. China and various other channels, but mainly Google Play is the one you'll recognize. Um, so I got an email saying, how are you doing? Um, it was it was a good email, actually. It, was, uh, I don't, it said, I immensely enjoy self-publishing journeys, and it's a great joy that you're using Publish Drive services. Now, whether they listen to publish self-publishing journeys or not, I don't know. But that actually has all the, the hallmarks of a good outreach kind of email, where you kind of, you know, put a little bit of flattery in there and show that you've at least taken two minutes to check up on the person that you're you're pitching to so so it was you know it was a good email from that point of view and that they'd done a little bit of research oh and also they knew by the way that i'd included my logo next to the podcast so that they had a they had obviously done a bit of homework which is good okay that is the prerequisites of a reach out email if you ever reach out to somebody who doesn't know you don't just say hey i thought you might be interested in this you don't know me from adam but never do that it's always good to just say you know i've listened or i've read or i enjoyed this you know i saw your presentation at always start like that because otherwise it, it gives you some sort of pre-credentials that you're not just hitting somebody up in the dark so um so that was a good start and then they said i'm reaching out as Kinga Gentetics, our CEO and I are visiting London Book Fair this year on behalf of Publish Drive. I would like to meet and chat with you and speak about further possible cooperation. Are you visiting as well uh, during the London Book Fair week? And then let me know time slots and we'll book in a meeting. Now, I just thought that was a great email. It's a great email at all sorts of levels. Um, it's a good email because it was written, you know, in that 
in that way where they'd obviously done a little bit of research. They'd taken a little bit of time to work out who I was. Um, and, it, and, and I don't know whether they've just reached out to everybody who's publishing on Publish Drive, um, you know, randomly in the hope they can connect with authors or whether they had specifically sought me out. But that's why it's a good email because I can't tell from the email. It's certainly been personalized. Now, um, that, and, you know, whatever their motivations are here, whether they want to, to sort of discuss some kind of, you know, link up through the podcast or whatever, um, you know, that's, if I was going, I would book a slot. Of course I would. And, uh, I've heard Kinga, uh, on podcasts. I, if I was still doing interviews, Kinga would be on that list of people to talk to because I'm getting on extremely well with published tribe. I have a lot of time, um, for what Kinga's trying to do, uh, the way she comes over in podcasts. And I like published drive as well a lot. I like published drive a lot. It's my, they're like um, draft the digital. I'd be worried if I was draft the digital because draft the digital is very innovative, but also so is publish drive. They're innovative in the great way that draft the digital are. So um, you know, I, I'm happy to be in both camps at the moment because they're both great. I'm very happy with both of them. So um, oh, the only thing I want publish drive to get rid of is the fees. I get. I have to pay. I always have to pay fees, uh, transaction fees on my royalties payment. And I don't like that. That's the thing I'd like Publish Drive to get rid of. That's the question I would ask Kinga if she was on my podcast. Can you get another way of paying royalties where we don't take that? It's something like five quid I pay on my royalties, but it's another sting on royalties. And I would like that removed from the payment process. That's the only thing, um, the little bugbear I've got with with Publish Drive. It's just one more person taking a cut from your earnings. Um, and I certainly don't mind Publish Drive taking their cut, but I do mind the person who's moving the money taking the cut, which is why we need blockchain, but I'm not going to go into that now. That's a subject for another podcast. Um, so we could do peer-to-peer payments. That's another thing altogether. Uh, but I-, I would do this meeting if I was at the fair, but I said, um, sorry, not going to the fair. And she said, you know, can we book a slot? Um, anyway, I actually said no, because I, uh, I'm not running interviews on the podcast at the moment uh, because I'm, I've, I've got my head down writing books. You know, I don't want, any distractions whatsoever that aren't related to this year's objective. So I, I batted it back for the time being. But say so I was impressed, uh, very impressed. I'd be interested to know if anybody else got a reach out from Published Drive like that, if they are on Published Drive. But I, you know, to me, that has all the hallmarks of a great business that is hungry for success. Uh, and I wish, I hope they get it because they deserve it. That was a good email to receive. Okay, um, I just wanted to tell you something quite amusing actually you know I said to you that I um, listen to podcasts at night when I, I can't get to sleep uh, back to sleep and they're usually writing podcasts some of them are blockchain podcasts and I usually pop them on and I'm, I'm asleep fairly quickly I do find voice very good for just getting me back to sleep it just stops my brain you know soaring and thinking it just makes me go back to sleep again it's like a sedative for me um the other thing uh, that I also do is I, I do listen back to my podcasts. I, I listen back to try and detect annoying habits, <laughs> make sure I haven't left any edits in that I shouldn't have done that sort of thing. So I do listen to my own podcast. It's a, a habit I got from radio. You have to listen back to yourself. Um, you know, and hopefully <laughs> been at it long enough. Now I don't think I'm going to improve anymore, but hopefully you improve by, by listening back to yourself. At least you pick up your worst habits, I think. And what I found is <laughs> that my podcast is one of the best for sending me back to sleep. So um, I just wanted to recommend to you, if you don't get any value out of the kind of writing content that I put in these podcasts, it is an excellent podcast for sending you back to sleep again. So if you do have sleep problems, I highly recommend that you put this podcast at the front of your queue because um, it's my own podcast certainly sends me back to sleep. <laughs> I have to keep going back to listen to the bits that I miss. And it, it, it sees me off within about 10 minutes usually. So <laughs> there you go. We found a, a use for self-publishing journeys at last. 
Anyhow, this time next week, if I can stay awake through it all, um, I should be 50% of the way through draft one of book three. That, that's just saying that to you feels absolutely ridiculous to me. 50% of the way through a book when I just started writing it today. It is ridiculous. And it's a ridiculous pace at which to write, I think. Um, but yeah, I'll be, if I meet my targets, I'll be doing another 10k words this weekend. Uh, I'll be doing 5k on Thursday next. 5k on Friday next that's going to be 25,000 words of book three I, I can't believe it even though I'm saying it but um fingers crossed that's where we will be and I will have done my or completed my first editing sweep of my military sci-fi book two so we continue a pace I do hope you have a fantastic week of writing editing whatever it is that you're doing that's writing related I'll speak to you next Saturday bye-bye for now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.